Welcome to the Brand Ambassadors, your wide-angle look at the field of PR and what it means for your company. Your host is Merritt Hamilton Allen with co-host Gary Potterfield. Every firm has a compelling narrative that sets them apart from the crowd. In your company, you can use your own background and storytelling to your advantage as well as that of your business. Now, here are your hosts, Merritt Hamilton Allen and Gary Potterfield. Hey, good morning. Welcome to the Brand Ambassadors. I'm Merritt Hamilton Allen, joined by Gary Potterfield. Good morning, Gary. Good morning, Merritt. How's things? No, uh, fine. No sneezing, please. <laughs> uh, yeah, well, thanks for sharing that with everybody. That I had my sneezing fit earlier. Hey, I had a new experience yesterday. I had something I've never experienced before. That's, that's why it's new. Um, I had, I, you know, I go to physical therapy for my shoulder and I went to, I had, they did dry needling yesterday. You know, usually you go in there and they do, uh, you know, they'll do like the heat thing and then they'll, I do exercises and then they'll do the ice pack, but this time they did dry, dry needling. So it got me to thinking, got me to thinking. It's like, uh, I get no respect. I went to my therapist and, uh, first she needles me, then she gives me the cold shoulder. Boom. Anyway. You told me you weren't a joke guy. <laughs> I'm not a joke you, guy. I'm I tried to get joke. a joke on demand, a friend who was trying to crowdsource a Navy joke, and you got you had nothing. I'm, you know, I'm not a joke guy. I'm just like it just things happen, and I and they come out. So that's whatever. And you, uh, you come up with little gems. Come up with little gems like that. Right. So my therapist gave me the cultural. That's because I was texting with uh, Emily yesterday about something, and I said I got to go to therapy, and I'm upset because they're giving me the cold shoulder. But. Um, but then they gave me the needling. Anyway, dry needling. They stick a, it's like an acupuncture needle. They stick into your into your muscles, but not it isn't acupuncture. It's to it's to trigger uh, your muscles to release. So it's to re- it's re- to really really irritate them. <laughs> yeah, well, that's what I, yeah you get you get they do this and you get these weird little feelings and in, in places that yeah you, and your muscle says don't please don't do that and that's I think that's the intent. And the muscle says well if you're going to do that I'm just going to loosen up. That's kind of yeah. in theory. In theory. Anyway, now, so uh, so was this a service-related broadcast injury that you're getting therapy for? That's you see, yeah, yeah. There you go. I should get some sort of a. How much disability can I get for that? You know. Yeah, I mean, is it, is it overwork from uh, running a running a board or? Well, the good thing is it's it's on the it's my right shoulder and I'm a, I'm a southpaw, so uh, I'm able to function. Actually, I'm, I can function anyway. But anyway, uh, so you know, I will. I will be filing a claim then. How about that to, against you? Um, what's workman comp like in Maryland? <laughs> I don't think I've been paid to research that. Right. Oh yeah, yeah. So. Uh, well, I, I was talking service connected because um, we're talking today about. Um, Veterans and branding, and you know that's been kind of an obsession of mine for well, like 15 years, uh, in in helping veterans and businesses understand the brand that uh, veterans bring to the uh, you know bring to the table. Yep, I think they should all be branded. Wait a minute, what? No, but uh, yeah, no, I, I agree. It's uh, and you know one of the hardest things uh, that I saw, and this was. Of course, uh, 2002, 2004, when we were just kind of starting to recover from 9-11 and OIF and uh, OEF were getting underway. And so a lot of the veterans we had were pretty much Cold War, First Gulf War veterans. And the veteran moniker just um, really didn't resound with them. They'd say, oh, I was in the military or I retired from the Army. But, you know, the V word, as it were, was not something that... uh, uh, they they really identified with. Right, right. I mean, um, well, I think I think every person's different, but it's certainly life is it, it, it's such a different world now um, than it was back then. Back then, yeah, I felt that way. I felt that it was just something you did. It was not that it, you know you you got out and then and it was and then you just go into a new chapter of your life. But it's not that the military didn't matter to you uh, uh, certainly, but it, it just. That that term didn't come in my mind either. I, I wasn't thinking in those terms. And, and the, you know, the notion of your service, I mean, you know, we were post-draft, Cold War, all-volunteer military, and it just seemed like a cool job, right, um, with kind of minimal risk. 
And I think it's very different from the post 9-11 veterans, the people who joined um, with the sense of urgency we had been attacked uh, uh, they joined up out of a sense of uh, patriotism. I mean, it's not like I'm not patriotic. I was just really comfortable th- with the fact that, like, we were winning the Cold War, and I'd like to be part of that and, you know, push the Soviet Union's face, r- rub the Soviet Union's face in it maybe a little bit. But that was about as aggressive as I got. Yeah, well, <clears throat> yeah, I was, I have to, you know, to be honest about my, in my I wasn't thinking about the military at all. And, uh, and uh, truly, it was, it was, you know, again, like you, it's not that I wasn't patriotic. It's just that, that I looked at the, the situation. They go, hey, we'll send you to, you know, in, in six months, you could be, uh, you know, you could be working, you know, writing and, and telling stories and all that kind of stuff. And I said, well, that beats four years. You know, <laughs> I could do it in six months. I, and then you're going to give me some, I can get some college credit out of the deal. So it'll be a nice, uh, you know, I do my part, you do your part. Uh, like you guys, you know pay me and get, get me trained and, and I'll do my job and I'll get to see cool places. And, uh, I, and I felt it was a nice, a nice trade. Not that I wasn't patriotic about it myself. And I also, I will tell you this, I did feel good about the fact that I was doing something and put back then in the late seventies, early eighties, it was, uh, you know, we were, when we were broadcasting in particular for me, um, I knew that the people we were talking to weren't getting the information any other way. So I felt good. Like I was doing good in that regard, but yeah, totally different than the post nine 11, uh, enlistees or, or those who sign up. Right. And for me, it was just a very comfortable familial thing. Um, my dad was in the first class of Navy ROTC scholarships after World War II. And um, my brother and sister uh, paid for their college with, with ROTC. And so it just seemed to me to be a nice way to pay for college and have a guaranteed job when you get out. Mm, yeah, yeah. I remember, you know, they used. To, I don't know if they still do this, but they they would they they would uh, the, the recruiters recruiting command. They had these, uh, you know, they look at all the uh, career fields and they would tell you the civilian equivalent of what it was and and, and you know what you could do. So you, and the idea was it, they they promoted the idea of you know. Uh, enlist for four years, five years, six years, whatever your career field you were going to be in, um, and then go out and take that into the world and do and do with it. You know, you'll have a, you'll get a great head start. That was, they were kind of promoting that. Of course, I have to tell you that that's how they promoted it. But once you came in, <laughs> your chief would be like, "What? Are, what the hell are you talking about? You're going to get out. <laughs> you're a non-person now if you're leaving." Uh, anyway, but um. But the um, I think uh, more and more. We are seeing almost kind of a uh, uh, a return to uh, a more traditional time with how we review how we view our veterans. Uh, veterans coming home from Vietnam, uh, it was it was very different. There uh, was very often not a welcome. Uh, we were talking with uh, our colleague Bob Combs yesterday, talking about when you could wear khakis inside the Beltway. And he said, "Hey, in the '60s and '70s, if you came to Washington, you didn't wear a uniform." Period. Right. Like no one in the Pentagon wore a uniform. Right. Yeah. It's. Uh, I mean, you say traditional. I think that that the the tra- more traditional. I, I, maybe I'm wrong about this, but I think that was tr- mainly just post World War II, wasn't it? I mean, World War II and post. I don't think the prior to that. Maybe I, I, it was it was quite looked upon as a big deal, or, or, or you know, looked looked upon the same way with the same affection, I guess. I think I, I do think you're right because World War II was a sense of purpose, and um, I remember talking with Chris, Chris Eisleib, uh, one of our very first guests, about World War One. World War One was not a big, inspiring, patriotic war for the U.S. I mean, I know um, it's it's pretty clear my own great grandfather was a draft dodger. <laughs> Where did he go? Did you go to Canada? Um, no, I think he went to Wichita. <laughs> Say same thing. You're out in the middle of nowhere. Sort of, yeah, no, wait, sort wait, of the same thing. <laughs> uh, so yeah. So, uh, but so so now you know. And for me, I've been out so long. Um, I was in such a relatively short period of time before. Um, yeah, and I, I mean, and I got. I, I'm a disabled veteran, but I got sick, and you know, I wasn't. I'm not combat wounded, anything like that. And uh, I finally have gotten used to people thanking me for my service. Yeah, I still have trouble with that. It's well, I just, just a, go ahead. I, I, I get I get really gracious and uh, lady grandiose on it and say it was my pleasure. I just say thank you and move on. It's just it, it just it's not. Mm-hmm. I mean, here's my thought about that a little bit: is that I, it, 
it was really great for a time, not that for me personally, but that the people were doing that to people for, for, for veterans. And I thought that it was really heartfelt. I think for a lot of people it is, but it, it, it feels to me to a certain extent, it's kind of like the gazoon height, you know? Yes, that's true. That's true. Very, yeah. very true. Like the thing you're supposed to say instead of the, instead of something. I, I don't. I'm not saying that the majority of people are like, but it just it it, it it's kind of moved on to the point where you, it's the thing you're supposed to say, yeah, every 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 um, you know every at every grocery store when you're checking out or something. Yeah, what I'd rather people say is, oh, that's interesting. What did you do? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Cool. Well, oh, wow, interesting. Tell me about it. Yeah, I watched that's cable news and I watched cable news and talked on the phone for a living. It was great. <laughs> And I did the Robin Williams thing, except it wasn't, it wasn't, you know, good morning, Vietnam. It was good morning, ADAC, good morning, Gitmo, good morning, Siganella. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, there have been a lot of efforts um, uh, since the 9-11, since 9-11, uh, a real resurgence in veterans affinity organizations. I was part of the Veterans Corporation, which established the contracting set aside for uh, uh, service disabled veteran owned uh, small businesses from which we uh, still benefit. Uh, but at heart, I think, is just the challenge of branding. You know, like the Wounded Warrior commercials always bothered me where they uh, kind of treated wounded warriors like abused shelter pets. Right. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and so the the branding of veterans, I think, is um, re- remains a unique challenge. I think at least now more veterans identify with the term, and we'll we'll talk a little bit more about that in the next segment. But I'm really excited uh, about our guest. We're talking to Justin Desiri, who's uh, uh, the founder of Beyond the Uniform, and he's got. A great Navy, of course, background, um, Naval Academy graduate, a submariner, uh, went to Stanford Business School and uh, started a, had a, has had a couple of tech startups, and now he is into coaching uh, transitioning veterans to help them, uh, uh, you know, do, do their best and bring their best qualities out in the, in the uh, private sector. Well, that's good, and I, this is going to be this is going to be great to, to hear from him and and talk about what he's up to and what uh, and what the the current veterans need to know. So that is, I'm looking forward to it, uh, and that's going to be a couple of minutes. You're listening to the brand ambassadors, uh, Merritt Hamilton Allen, Gary Potterfield, and uh, uh, with uh, Justin coming, you can give us a call at eight six six four seven two fifty seven eighty nine. I uh, no fifty seven ninety. Or email us at brand.ambassadors at voxoptima.com, and we'll be back with our guest Justin Asiri in just a couple of minutes. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. When business people think PR, they usually think spin. Good, bad, or indifferent. But spin without a strategy gets you nowhere but lighter in the wallet. At Vox Optima, our outcome-based communication is about results, not the ride. You're focused on your bottom-line goals, and so are we. From strategic planning to creative design and production, Vox Optima has experts ready to support your requirements today. Also look to Vox Optima for crisis communication, media training, and issue management. Vox Optima is a service-disabled veteran and a woman-owned business with consultants working from coast to coast. Vox Optima ties PR strategy and every last communication product to what your organization needs to be successful. At Vox Optima, you won't be spinning your wheels. You'll be getting results. Strategy, not spin. To make our results work for you, visit VoxOptima.com. That's VoxOptima.com. Are you a business leader or executive that wants to achieve more? Not just in it for profit, but to do work you find meaningful that adds more value to more people in more ways. Listen for the Business Elevation Show with host Chris Cooper. You'll hear from successful achievers from around the world with the passion and experience to offer invaluable guidance. The Business Elevation Show can be heard live on Fridays at 8 a.m. U.S. Pacific Time, usually 4 p.m. U.K. on the Voice America Business Channel. Channel. Be more. Achieve more. 
Bob Pritchard has over 30 years of experience as a straight-talking business consultant and author working with some of the top Fortune 500 companies. Now he's come to the Voice America Business Channel to help you and your business. Tune in to the Bob Pritchard Radio Show for information about starting and successfully running a profitable business. From the movers and shakers to great marketing screw-ups, you can't afford to miss a single edition of the Bob Pritchard Radio Show, Tuesdays at 5 p.m. Pacific, 8 p.m. Eastern on Voice America Business. Game-changing technologies and strategies are transformational, exciting, and disruptive. They shake up your status quo, get you thinking about new ways to scale, compete, and grow, and move you in new directions. You're invited to take your coffee break with Game Changers on Tuesdays for our special series on transforming your business. Learn how to become the transformation leader who looks ahead to the next wave of innovation on transforming your business with Game Changers, presented by SAP. Tuesdays, 7 a.m. Pacific, 10 a.m. Eastern, on the Business Channel. listening to the brand ambassadors to reach our program today please call in to 1-866-472-5790 that's 1-866-472-5790 or send an email with questions or comments to brand.ambassadors at voxoptima.com now back to this week's program Welcome back to the Brand Ambassadors. I'm Merritt Hamilton, joined by Gary Potterfield. And thanks to our good friends at Skype, we are not joined by our scheduled guest, Justin Nasiri, because Skype is not allowing us to add another person in, uh, waiting, uh, waiting to connect that up. But I, I do think on the topic of transitioning veterans, there are a lot of issues. And certainly, Gary, we hire veterans. So right. I, I think we work through I think we work through that. I, 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 for me, I think we've, we've talked about this many times, is that um, um, the brand, we know it in our heads. You know, we, we know, um, you know, there's, a, there's a kind of a pre-screening process that just goes on just by knowing us, knowing the life that we were living and who we dealt with and what the, and, and the, um, the work ethic and all that. So it was like they're pre-vetted, you know, that's. That's right. what we took. That what it's not that we were like you and I wanted uh, to to create a you know a, you know a good old boys network or something like that for the for that it wasn't the case at all. It's just right. that oh I know this person can do this job and I and uh, you know I have reasonable guy. It doesn't mean it's perfect, but but you you have a great understanding that okay this person can do this job. Uh, that should be as simple as it is. I mean I, I would think, and and we'll have to hear what Justin says about this, but. Uh, you know, the, the reason people should be hiring veterans, I'm not saying you shouldn't be patriotic about it, but you should be hiring them because you're going to, there's a greater chance than the average to get somebody who's really going to be responsible and, and know their stuff, you know. Well, exactly. To me, hiring a veteran means um, you're hiring someone who has had a sense of urgency every day they've gone to work in their previous job with an absolute requirement um, to uh, complete uh, 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 mission tasks uh, on time or early uh, at w- with the highest possible stakes. And and until very recently, they had their, t- their shirts tucked in very nice and neatly, too. Right. Well, those are those are those are prototype uniforms. Okay, we were we were making fun of that the other day, like what in the world has the Navy come to? Shirts hanging out? Goodness gracious! Yeah, the Navy's. I guess the Navy's moving away from aquaflage, thank God. But apparently, just wearing a shirt and pants on board a ship is not enough, and we have to look all tactical and and blouse our trousers and you know, have that whole utility look. So now they're making, I guess, khaki ones for officers and blue ones for enlisted. I never, the, the handful of times I had to wear uh, a camouflage uniform, um, it, it, I never felt comfortable in them. I never, it just always felt good. like, wh- wait a minute, why is this all bulky and why isn't it nice and tight against my skin? Or, you know, it, it was just weird and like it, anyway. <laughs> Of course, yeah, the last time I wore uh, anything camouflage, um, they didn't even make women's sizes. <laughs> that's right good good for you so where were you wearing khaki where were you wearing camis um taking media i was i was escorting media it was nothing cool. <laughs> <laughs> i was escorting media to um uh the u.s fleet hospital in zagreb during the whole u.n um yugoslavian 
Balkan thing in the mid-90s. I was in Turkey and uh, at uh, Interlake Air Base. We were going to go go north to um, uh, near to Salopi, Turkey, across the border from um, um, uh, Iraq. And um, and uh, th- there's this army colonel who kept seeing me wearing uh, khakis, and he said, "If I see you in that uniform one more time, I'm going to I'm going to absorb you. You're not. I'm going to take you over. You're not going to do whatever you think you're doing." He was just disgusted by seeing me in khakis. So I showed up the next day wearing uh, wearing you know battle dress. There I was. So anyway, ready to broadcast. Yeah, well, ready to yeah whatever I was doing. Yeah, Next well, photographs. Yeah, so I mean, I, I probably could have worn khakis, but since I, I was assigned to the same parent unit as the fleet hospital, I had to wear their uniform. And um, my main memories are we did get some really good uh, stories about um, uh, so, uh, UN soldiers being fitted with prosthetics in the field and going back to their units because of our um, uh, fanta- fantastic orthopedic team, and also that uh, Chief. Uh, Jeff Valdez was there, um, cigarette in hand, um, running the PAO shop. There you go. All right, Jeff. He straightened you out, young ensign. Absolutely. Right? Oh, I was a lieutenant by then. Oh, what the heck? All right. Oh, yeah. Yeah. But, um, yeah, it, uh, the, the one thing about having the need to be in uh, a camouflage uniform meant you were, usually meant you were someplace where, where there was a different kind of action. Than, uh, than, uh, and so, uh, yeah, and you were mentioning medical. Um, the, the two or three times when I've had to, well, maybe a few more than that, but two of the main, major times I remember in that situation, there were medical units and they were helping out the local uh, populations. And it's just that, that those those experiences were really great for me to see, you know, the doctors and nurses and corpsmen and dental techs and uh, out helping uh, real people with real problems. It was really uh, kind of rewarding for me. And I got to get some really great uh, photography of nice things taking place. I, I am telling you, I wish... Um, somebody would open an urgent care clinic run by nothing but former independent duty corpsmen. Uh, yeah, there you go. Get to the get to the point. It, yeah, get, they do what they got to do. Right. It would you know it would be Advil, maybe a leave now that it's 2019. Right. Um, antibiotics, tape your ankle, immediate referral. Right. Right. Anywho, uh, where am I now? Um, oh, so we're, yeah, we're talking about veterans, which, which uh, you, you, and, you and I are, are, are two of them. Um, and, and we've hired more of them. And, you know, we just, um, we might talk about some of our interview processing this week. We've been talking, uh, interviewing some folks for an upcoming contract. And uh, uh, I think uh, we should kind of talk about how easy it is to interview a veteran. <laughs> well, that's another interesting thing about you know the interview process. I mean, I don't, I, I don't, I didn't go through some class on how you interview people, but I, I, the, the different ways we, we, for me, it's, you know, I, I don't want to. You know, I'm not trying to create some sort of a, a test that people pass or fail. I want to have a conversation and learn what these. I think that you learn learn a lot more about what people are really about when you start just having a conversation, and uh, and you can and we can do that with military folks because we can relate to the same kind of circumstances and and you kind of get a feel for where they were and what they've done and and uh, and so it's I find that so much more um, effective than the formal you know if you were a tree what kind of tree would you be or something. I, I I've never had that come up. Well, it wouldn't be that. That that that, Barbara, that was Barbara Walters back in the. But but you have you know. The, tell me tell me an example of a time when you failed at something. You know, I, I get that. But I mean, but this day and age, look, they're going to ask you about a time you failed. So fake something, fake fake failing something, but make it something that it really you looks triumph like, from. Yeah, it's a failure. That's really not a failure. We're, you know, we're n- wink, nod, nod. Uh, so. Are you taking you this break? I am going to take us to break, but I've got I've got at least ten seconds to do that. I was going to ask if Five, what, what the toughest four. question you had. We are going to go to break. We are talking about um, veterans. We're talking about, and we're hopeful to talk to Justin Nasiri once we get our uh, communications things worked out. You're listening to the Brand Ambassadors, Merritt Hamilton Allen on that side of the world, of the country, Gary Potterfield on this side. And we'll, you, you can figure out which side's which. Give us a call eight six six forty four seven two fifty seven ninety. We'll be back in a few minutes.
Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. When business people think PR, they usually think spin. Good, bad, or indifferent. But spin without a strategy gets you nowhere but lighter in the wallet. At Vox Optima, our outcome-based communication is about results, not the ride. You're focused on your bottom-line goals, and so are we. From strategic planning to creative design and production, Vox Optima has experts ready to support your requirements today. Also look to Vox Optima for crisis communication, media training, and issue management. Vox Optima is a service-disabled veteran and a woman-owned business with consultants working from coast to coast. Vox Optima ties PR strategy and every last communication product to what your organization needs to be successful. At Vox Optima, you won't be spinning your wheels. You'll be getting results. Strategy, not spin. To make our results work for you, visit VoxOptima.com. That's VoxOptima.com. Are you finding your frequency? It can be described as that space between failure and success. It's the future of digital media. It's finding your voice. It's engaging topics, content, and ideas. Jeff and Ryan discuss the digital media space and all of its aspects. It's about making the mistakes, taking the chances, summoning the intestinal fortitude to step out of your comfort zone, and discovering what you can accomplish when you decide to try, decide to learn, decide that you have something to say, and find your frequency. Live Fridays at 12 noon Pacific Time, 3 p.m. Eastern Time, on the Voice America Variety Channel. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. listening to the brand ambassadors to reach our program today please call in to 1-866-472-5790 that's 1-866-472-5790 or send an email with questions or comments to brand.ambassadors at voxoptima.com now back to this week's program Welcome back to the Brand Ambassadors, Gary Potterfield, along with Merritt Hamilton Allen, and um, we want to apologize to our to our supposed guest, our uh, Justin Nasiri uh, of Beyond the Uniform. We're going to reschedule him, rebook him for next week, I think, uh, because uh, we, we've lost too much of the of the show. For and we, and we know there's a lot we we want to talk to Justin about, so uh, we'll get the uh, we'll get the technology and the, the comms working next time, and it'll be great. Uh, but still, we, we want to keep on moving on. That we, you know, Merritt and I were, have been talking about uh, things leading into the topic, and just before the break, we talked about uh, we talked about interviewing. And, and I was going to ask you, um, uh, Merritt, if you had uh, what what is the what's the what's the, what's your go to question if you have one when you conduct an interview, or, or have you had any weird ones that have come your way that have have been uh, useful to you, or not? I think the weirdest is there's an agency about the size of Vox Optima, and I had to do seven interviews with them. Oh, my. That's, that's in, seven interviews? What, what can they ask after a number yeah, after and, three? And, and I kept coming back, and I kept writing thank you notes, and um, it just got weird. And then they hired somebody else, and um, I just thought, what a waste of my time. Um because it did. Here's the thing: it wasn't that great a job. <laughs> it wasn't. It wasn't worth. It wasn't a seven interview job. No, it was. It wasn't. Um, I think they probably, hopefully, have streamlined their hiring practices. You know, we usually do two maximum. Um, right. And I guess for me, as it, when especially when we're dealing um, with a veteran, uh, is. Uh, uh, Sorry, Justin's able to join us. Hey, that's cool. Um, uh, is I, I want to know, like, why did you do what you do? Why do you do what you do? Why are you in this field? Um, uh, uh, this is the job we have. Is this something you see yourself doing? Uh, 
Yeah. That's it's pretty basic. There's no nuance. I don't want to know um, what their dream job is. I don't. I, I just want to know this is the job I have. Would you like to have it? That's kind of yeah. where I'm at. Yeah, I've got some other thoughts about that, but I, but but since it, apparently we have Justin uh, available, uh, let's we don't want to waste any more of the uh, of the hour that's ticking ticking by. Don't you think we should bring him in now? What do you think? Absolutely, yes. I'm so glad we've got Justin Nasiri from Beyond the Uniform. Uh, and Justin, we've been talking about veterans and branding, and uh, what do you think the most important thing is for veterans uh, in the private sector? How they establish their personal personal brand. Well, thanks for having me. Um, you know, I think the first thing that jumps out to me is um, beyond just the the brand. I think it's good for veterans to know that most most people who've served in the military struggle to to really sell themselves or to even brand themselves. Uh, so, with Beyond the Uniform, I've done over two hundred and sixty different interviews with people who've served in the military and then gone on to do something great in the civilian sector. And almost all of them have talked about the the extreme challenge they faced when they had to either go into an interview or a networking event or a company event and really speak about who they are, what they did in the past. Uh, They're really good at using we. They're really bad at using I. And so the first thing that I think of is taking the time to think of what their brand is, but also practicing and getting comfortable talking about that brand, uh, coming from the background of being much more comfortable talking about what a team accomplished, what a unit accomplished, and being pretty shy about speaking to one's own role in that and their own accomplishment. You know, it's uh, uh, when... Um, when I joined uh, the Navy years and years and years and years ago, uh, I think at the beginning of the show, I was talking to Merritt about the fact that they, you know, they put out this pamphlet about the, you know, join. Here's a civilian career field that's associated with what you what, what you may be doing in the military. And then when I came in, um, they were not at all keen to help me on the way out. Uh, I think it's changed a lot. Uh, Justin, but what what do you think? Where's the gap that, that what the, the military maybe not be doing in the transition assistance programs they have to get people out? You know, they're doing nothing in the transition assistance. Sorry, tutorializing. <laughs> 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 yeah, it's maybe it's like you know colleges that aren't aren't preparing uh, their their students for actual jobs. What, what's your thought on what, what's going on, Justin? I you know I think I think you're spot on. I think that the military does a fantastic job of taking a civilian and training them to become a warrior. They do a great job of of running them through either a boot camp or something similar to that to get them up to speed to do some amazing things in service of their country. And like you said, when it comes to the other side of that, when it comes to transitioning those warriors back into civilians, um, they really drop the ball in a lot of ways. And the thing that, that is most pronounced to me, I think the biggest disservice that we do to members, excuse me, of the military are we, we tell them, or at least I, I was told this and most of my guests have been told this, we tell them when they're serving, hey, your, your country owes you a lot for, for serving your country. You're going to be welcomed. You're going to be, you know, people are going to be lining up to give you jobs. Um, I think there's really a culture, uh, if you want to be cynical, you could call it entitlement. Uh, but if you, if you want to just be a little bit more direct, you could call it, um, uh, uh, the, you know, really building them up to expect a job and to be taken care of once they get out of the military. And I think it's a story that resonates with, with those of us who serve. It's like, okay, I'm, I'm making this, you know, a lot of sacrifices for my country. It's good to know that when I'm done, things are just going to be handled. And I would say I have not yet interviewed a veteran where that was the case. Um, every single person had to do a lot of soul searching to know what their values are and what they were looking for. They had to do a lot of research to understand the landscape and understand the different industries, functional roles, company sizes that they may or may not want to work at. And then they have to do the heavy lifting of actually going out and getting those interviews. And um, some of the guests on my show have used uh, recruiters or headhunters, which in some ways simplifies the process. Um, but there's, there's compl- complications that come along with that as well. But I, I think that one of the 
best things that someone on active duty can do right now to prepare is to adopt a mindset that no one owes them anything, right or wrong, to adopt this mindset that when they leave the military, they are 100% responsible for whatever comes next. And it's a, a um, I, I, I wish it wasn't that way, but unfortunately, I think for mo- most of the people I've interviewed, that has been the consistency, is it really falls to them to, to go after and pursue and identify and obtain their next job. Now, Now, the great thing is, there are so many people out there that want to help members of the military. I don't think I've ever met someone who doesn't have a tremendous amount of respect for and gratitude for uh, all of the work that members of the armed forces have done. The hard part is they very rarely know how to help. They very rarely know how to contribute. And so that's part of the job for the veteran as well, is to understand where they need help and understand where they can obtain that help from. And once they take that step to seek the help, there's going to be help in spades. But that that initial step of looking for help or asking for help can sometimes be challenging. Uh, absolutely agree. And uh, and I, I do want to go back to, uh, I hope, uh, beyond an organization, like being the uniform could pick up a contract with the transition assistance program because it's it's a mandatory class it's one or two days depending on how you're getting out and why and outside of some VA information it's a complete waste of your time mm-hmm. <laughs> oh come on say what you really mean Merritt <laughs> well, it's it, I think I think it's very frustrating because um, People getting out uh, of the military are—they uh, th- have been very self-actualized in the military. They've been—if they know the steps, they'll complete them. And I don't think the transition assistance program does much to explain the steps uh, outside of have a resume, dress nicely, don't wear your core frames to the interview. I mean, that's—that's kind of my takeaway from the transition assistance program. Yeah, I say, I mean, I went through it over 10 years ago, and I, I don't know how much it's changed or if it's changed at all, but that was that was my experience, too. I think that I went into the TAPS program not expecting to learn a lot, and I think that I met my expectations <laughs> partly on, on me uh, and partly on the program. I think that, that the great thing is there are so many uh, veterans out there doing amazing things, and part of the approach that we've tried to take it beyond the uniform is to, to say, hey, we don't really care whether you stay in the military. We don't care whether you get out of the military. And if you do get out of the military or when you get out of the military, we don't care what you do. We just want to show you that veterans can do anything. There is, you know, I've spoken with NFL players I've spoken with Academy Award nominees. I've spoken to the CEO of Pepsi. I've spoken to a veteran who cut his salary in a third to go learn to be a photographer and then went on to be a photographer with ESPN. So there there is no shortage of examples out there of veterans doing amazing things. Um, But the corollary that no one ever talks about to that is that, yes, veterans can do anything, and that, that the flip side of that is that most veterans drastically underestimate what it takes to achieve anything. And that's just, you know, based on all the, the interviews that I've done, most people approached their career thinking it would be easier than it is. And so what I would love to see with the TAPS program, whether it was us directly involved or someone else, I would love to see more, a lot more data there's so much data out there, especially with LinkedIn, that's publicly available where, you know, and I've done this research with Beyond the Uniform. Well, like uh, for a field like consulting, we, took, we looked at the top 10 companies as reported by Forbes magazine, the top 10 consulting companies in the United States. And then we, mi- we mined publicly available data on LinkedIn to be able to see, okay, for the thousands and thousands of vets who work at these companies, how long did they serve in the military? How long did they work prior to join the consulting company? What's their highest level of education? And more importantly, how do those three factors affect where they worked, 
how much they earned, and the entry title that they received. And so I would love to see I'd love, I wanted, that. Uh, and I definitely want to um, uh, get back on the, on the data. We've got to go to break, but please stay with us. We'll be uh, right back with Justin Nasiri of Beyond the Uniform. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. When business people think PR, they usually think spin. Good, bad, or indifferent. But spin without a strategy gets you nowhere but lighter in the wallet. At Vox Optima, our outcome-based communication is about results, not the ride. You're focused on your bottom-line goals, and so are we. From strategic planning to creative design and production, Vox Optima has experts ready to support your requirements today. Also look to Vox Optima for crisis communication, media training, and issue management. Vox Optima is a service-disabled veteran and a woman-owned business with consultants working from coast to coast. Vox Optima ties PR strategy and every last communication product to what your organization needs to be successful. At Vox Optima, you won't be spinning your wheels. You'll be getting results. Strategy, not spin. To make our results work for you, visit VoxOptima.com. That's VoxOptima.com. If you hear a dog barking or an angel singing, then you know that you are listening to Waking Up in America. Heard every Wednesday at 3 Pacific Time, Valerie Kirkard and all of her friends will bring you powerful and humorous discussions that raise thoughts and give you insight on how to live your life to its fullest potential. Adventure is always a must on Waking Up in America with Valerie Kirkard every Wednesday at 3 Pacific. Trends in global business are changing all the time. It used to only be worrying about your competitor across the street, but now that competitor may be across the world. On Global Business with Mahesh Joshi, we discuss the trends in global business, plus issues and solutions that business leaders face today. Each show is guaranteed to teach you something that you didn't know before about global business. Listen live every Wednesday at noon Eastern Time, 9 a.m. Pacific Time on The Voice America Business Channel. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. listening to the brand ambassadors to reach our program today please call in to 1-866-472-5790 that's 1-866-472-5790 or send an email with questions or comments to brand.ambassadors at voxoptima.com now back to this week's program Welcome back to the Brand Ambassadors. I'm Gary Potterfield, along with Merritt Hamilton Allen and our guest, Justin Nasiri, who is the founder and host of Beyond the Uniform. And um, and something, Justin, that, that was talked about in the last segment um, about the fact that certainly, you know, the, the, the veteran uh, is, can't expect, uh, shouldn't expect that the people are going to just say, oh, oh we want to give you a job. But I also think that probably from the business owner standpoint, from business standpoint, that wouldn't be the way to go anyway either, because to have a strong job and a strong career and a strong business that you're supporting, it should all be about the qualities that the veteran brings to the job. Uh, your thoughts on that? Yeah, I think that's I think that's fair. I think that um, I, you know I think that the employers that I speak with, I think that everyone values what what all of us learned in the military the the integrity, the character building, the decision making under under extreme circumstances, leadership, uh, discipline. There there are there is no shortage of traits that they they admire and that they want in their workplace. I, I think that where the disconnect comes in is that on the civilian side, the employer has difficulty understanding the exact nature of the work that the person did in the military. And, and then on the flip side, the veteran, more often than not, at least in the interviews that I've done, they initially struggle to explain 
to a civilian audience what they did and, and more importantly, how that relates to the job to which they're applying. Um, the most common phrase that I hear from guests is that they, they would describe themselves initially straight out of the military as a Swiss Army knife. I can do anything. And that's seen as an asset when, in fact, it's actually a liability. Um, because, you know, when you put yourself in the shoes of a hiring manager or an employer, they have a very precise problem to solve. They are overwhelmed with everything going on, and they need to figure out how to solve that problem as quickly as possible. And so when they say, hey, I need someone to do operations in this company, and a veteran says, oh, I can do anything, that, that doesn't really help. They want to minimize right. the risk. They want to know that whatever the person wants to do, they can actually do. And so you know, what I find that a lot of guests on the show talk about is spoon-feeding that employer, doing the heavy work of translating one's experience and applying it directly to that role. Not only does that demonstrate an understanding of what the role is going to be, but it also shows like, hey, I've done this in the past. And that's where I think a lot of, uh, a lot of people underestimate how relevant what they did in the military is to the vast majority of jobs. You know, if, even if you were running uh, you know, a truck convoy in Afghanistan, you can take that story and experience and put it in the context of operations or product management or even customer service. You can tell that story in a way where it shows the basic fundamental process you are going through is the same. And so that's, that's one of the biggest things that I see right now. I think um, also, you know, are you looking, I want to get back to the data a little bit. Um, are, do you also uh, follow trends in military right-sizing, downsizing, and, and, you know, are there going to be more people who have to get out because uh, their jobs uh, are no longer as important or the military is making, uh, uh, choosing different priorities? Do you uh, look at that side of the data as well? I, I wish so. Uh, you know, the Beyond the Uniform team, is it's, it's all volunteer. We do this all on our nights, weekends, and lunch breaks. And so, um, you know, even the data analysis that we've done, it takes, you know, time, and, and we actually Absolutely. have to do a lot of it. So, but uh, we haven't been able to dig into the military side to see that trend. It's been much more focused on the civilian side. Interesting. Well, I, you know, and I'd actually be interested in uh, maybe assisting with you on uh, on that side, and that's that's a different conversation. <laughs> mm. I would I would love to do that. There's, it, I think the thing that is so exciting to me, we have never lived in a time with more access to information. I I did a report uh, two years ago, and as far as I know, it's the only time this has ever been done. But I looked on LinkedIn. And I, I literally said, okay, if someone stays in the military for five years versus 20 years, how does that impact the size of company they go to, the industry they go into, the functional role, all of those things? And I literally broke it down, zero to five years. I broke down every chunk of time when oh, someone wow. gets out of the military. And there were actual trends that were there. Like, you know, some of them were the obvious ones where if you stay in for 20 years, you're, you're, it's like eight times more likely to go into the government uh, sector or defense sector versus if you get out after just five years, you're, it's, it was something absurd, like 10 times more likely to go into technology or finance or some of the fields further away from what they did in the military. And so what I find so exciting right now is this information is just sitting there. Uh, you can, anyone can access it. It just takes someone to do, to do the time and the work to analyze this. But there is so much that we can learn that would help the military community. And, and you know, one of the master chiefs on my, mo my, my submarine, Master Chief Granito, he used to always say, knowledge is power. It's so true. And our goal at Beyond the Uniform, and I, and I hope, and I know a lot of organizations are like this as well, I think our goal is let's give people in the military the knowledge. Let's let them mm -hmm. make the decision that is uniquely right for them and uniquely right for their family and not have any sort of, you know, uh, uh, dog in the fight when it comes to that decision, but let's present them with the data Let's present them with the qualitative information from stories of veterans who have gone before them, 
and between the two, let them put the, 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 the pieces together to say, this is the path that I want to pursue. I know we have to go to, we're, we're wrapping up in a second there, but I think when we bring Justin back, something I'd love to talk about would be the, the perception that employers do have about military. My feeling is probably, unless they are, have been military members themselves or, or closely affiliated with it, that they have this concept that it's kind of a, they're just, what military do people do is one thing, and there's not like a, a bunch of ind- uh, discrete skills involved for the most part of military members. Do you find that to be possibly true, Justin? Yeah, I'd love to come back and talk about that, but it's it's very true. I think that the the stereotype of the military is very far away from the actuality. As as one quick example, because I know we have to wrap up. One quick example is oftentimes people think in the military you're just blindly following orders, and I think the reality of all of our experiences, you're actually working with an extreme amount of ambiguity and having to make decisions on the fly and having to to galvanize a group all of which are traits that are, are an enormous asset in the civilian workplace, but it's not perceived at that. So the onus is on the veteran to be able to explain that to the hiring manager. I think the, uh, the um, uh, other piece of that, in where you talked about I'm, I'm a Swiss Army knife, um, I think that's appealing, but they – you've got to be able to say, I'm a Swiss Army knife in public relations. I'm a Swiss Army knife mm-hmm. in in X because that flexibility is really uh, is really important, but uh, you've got to be able to define it in terms besides uh, the private sector's thinking, you're a Swiss Army knife in the military, so you're really good at killing people. All right. This is a bank. <laughs> <laughs> so... Uh, uh, this has been great insight. I encourage everyone to go check out beyondtheuniform.org. Uh, Justin, I hope uh, if next week works, uh, otherwise we'll work out with you uh, another time to finish this conversation. But, uh, you know, we've been interviewing a lot of veterans this week for an upcoming uh, contract. And so I'd encourage you, if you're listening, to both just to check out voxoptima.com and our, our open job and also be on the uniform.org for some uh, real-time coaching and transition uh, assistance for uh, veterans of all services. Uh, Justin, so, thanks so much for joining us. For Gary Potterfield, I'm Merritt Hamilton-Allen, and we'll talk to you next week. Thank you for tuning in this week to the Brand Ambassadors. Please join Merritt Hamilton Allen and Gary Potterfield for another edition next Friday at 9 a.m. Eastern Time and 6 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Have a great week.